Oh, hi there. It's been a while, but I feel like talking some Jets football, and that's why we have the Brandon Contest Jets podcast. So let's go. Contest. I am a Contest. You better like me. I'm from Patchog. All righty. Nice job, as always, with the free music YouTube. You're listening to the Brandon Contest Jets podcast on SB Nation. Episode 28 of my first ever sports podcast, where we keep it simple, we keep it short, never more than 20 minutes. I have more to say, I'll just make another podcast. But it's been a quiet offseason so far for the Jets, which in the month of February, it's a good thing. No news is good. It means you weren't searching for head coaches. It means you're not searching for general managers. You're not attached to quarterback rumors. You have some sort of stability. Maybe not great stability in the Jets' case, but it's stability nonetheless. And the fact that they're not searching for a head coach, they're not looking for a general manager, they're not attached to all these quarterback rumors that are just swirling around the league, that's a good thing. One thing that I am surprised about so far this offseason is Jamal Adams, because I'm very surprised how much talk there's been from both sides about wanting to get a Jamal Adams deal done. And I love it. I love the idea of making him a potentially lifelong Jet. You draft players in hopes that they become elite, and Adams scratched that surface last year. So the Jets achieved their they achieved their goal in finding a stud player in the draft. Now that next step is to keep him here. And I, I know he's not a Joe Douglas guy. He's not an Adam Gase guy. He's from a different regime. But the Jets need a quick rebuild. If the Jets are in for a long rebuild, then it means they don't believe in their quarterback. And if the Jets believe in their quarterback, if they believe in Sam Darnold as their future, then the future should be now. If the Jets believe in Sam Darnold, then they don't have time for a long rebuild because they need to build around him while he's not making big money. If Sam Darnold is a franchise quarterback, he's going to be making north of $30 million in just a few seasons. And then you don't have the ability, you don't have the flexibility to pay a safety like Jamal Adams. So do it now. Do it now before your quarterback nears free agency. And the New York Jets and the New York Giants, they're they're in the same boat. They believe that they have franchise quarterbacks. So if you do, you better win now before they get paid. The pressure is on already. Look at the teams that win championships. Look at the Chiefs with Pat Mahomes. And again, look, Sam Darnold is not Pat Mahomes. Daniel Jones is not Pat Mahomes. I get that. But you look at that example. You look at the Seahawks with Russell Wilson, the Packers with Aaron Rodgers, the Ravens, when they won with Joe Flacco, they were all quarterbacks on the cheap. They were all quarterbacks that didn't yet get their big contracts. Even the Patriots with Tom Brady. He was paid like a middle-of-the-road quarterback in recent years. They weren't giving Brady elite dollars. He was there on a discount, and they could build players around him. So pay Adams now. Pay Adams now while Sam Darnold is not making that big money. Build around Darnold now while he isn't on his second contract. They don't have time to do a three-year rebuild. They need results in 2020, and that's why it's so frustrating to have a coach that myself and so many other Jet fans don't believe in. They, they, they don't have time to cut ties with Adam Gase after next year and start over again with a new coach, a new philosophy, a new system, a new offense. They don't have time because they have a young quarterback that they need to build around now. They need to win with now. They can't afford to have him on his third offensive system in four years. You know, I actually, I want to pay Adam Gase a compliment because look, the Jets need him to be the right head coach. They need him to be the guy. They, they need him to mature and grow as a head coach, and as unlikely as that seems because he's going to be in his fifth year as a head coach. He was a failed coach in Miami. He struggled in year one with the Jets. It's hard to expect or anticipate much change, much improvement from him, 
He's known as an offensive genius and a, and a quarterback guru, yet we saw his former quarterback, the guy that he was supposed to get the most out of and develop into a franchise quarterback when he was signed, when he was hired in Miami. But we saw Ryan Tannehill in his first season in a new system with a new team, a new organization and coach. In that first year, he goes to the FC title game. In that first year, he wins comeback player of the year, and he looks like a guy that has it all figured out. Then you see Damian Williams, the running back on the Chiefs. He gets ousted by Gase and the Dolphins. He goes to Kansas City, and he, he looks like an incredibly productive running back for a half a season. And arguably, he should have won the Super Bowl MVP over Pat Mahomes. He, he was that effective in that game against the 49ers. It was an ugly breakup that he had with the Dolphins. Williams was upset how it ended with Gase. He felt hurt by Gase, yet he still he took the high road and said it's not Gase's fault that he's excelling with K the Kansas City Chiefs. It's just, it's the right place, right time for a 27-year-old running back. But but here is my compliment for Adam Gase. Because when all this happened, when there was, there was a decent bit of talk about Damian Williams prior to the Super Bowl and the fact that he was ditched by the Dolphins and ditched by Adam Gase. So Gase easily could have just said nothing. He, he could have easily left it as is and just said, it, it, this is a business. These things happen in a business. And Cutting Williams was part of the business. He, he was a backup running back. He wasn't a star player in Miami by any means. I, I didn't think it was a story that Gase would address, and especially as a guy and a coach that has had many issues with players in the past. Why would he comment on a backup running back that's with a different team? But Gase actually said that he regrets how it ended with Damian Williams and the Miami Dolphins. Gase said that he wished that he handled it better. He noted how hard Williams played for him, and he said how happy he was for Williams. And this was even before Williams played like the Super Bowl MVP that he said these things. So Gase said that he would reach out after the Super Bowl. He didn't want to be a distraction, which that is certainly the right thing to do. But I thought that this was all an incredible sign from Gase as somebody that is known for being difficult to work with and known for needing to force everything to be his way, I thought it was great to see him show a little regret and show that he realizes he made a mistake with Damian Williams and realized that he should try to repair that mistake. So it showed that maybe Gase can grow as a coach. Maybe he can improve as a team and improve as a leader. So my hope is that he brings that mentality now back to the Jets and he looks at what he did wrong during the 2019 season, and he does better in 2020. Because again, this cannot be a long rebuild. If the Jets believe in Sam Darnold as their quarterback, it can't be a long rebuild. They can't end up having him learn his third offense in four years. They need to take advantage of him before he gets paid. And that means needing to have the right head coach in place, and it means needing to be able to pay players around him on both sides of the ball. They need to keep Jamal Adams here. And you know what? They need to keep Le'Veon Bell here. As much as we know he's not an elite running back anymore, they can't cut him because it would cost them too much in dead money. So they either need to pay him to play elsewhere or pay him to play here with the New York Jets. And of those options, I'm going to pay him to play with the New York Jets for one more season. Let's take a quick break on the Brandon Contest Jets podcast. We're back right after this. So the Jets can cut Le'Veon Bell and be hit with dead cap money. They can pay him to play elsewhere on another team, or they could keep him and pay him to play with the New York Jets. And look, if you pay him to play elsewhere, well, then you still got to replace him. You need to replace the whole cast of running backs because Bilal Powell's not going to be back. As much as I love Powell when he's on the field, as much as I respect that he was here with Rex Ryan, 
He stayed through Todd Bowles. He stayed with Adam Gase. So he he must be a good teammate. He must be a a valuable teammate to last into his third coaching regime. He was he was drafted by Mike Tannenbaum. Think about that for a second. Think about how long ago that was. Before Joe Douglas, before Mike McCagnan, before John Idzik, the Mike Tannenbaum Rex Ryan regime was a really long time ago. He was on that eight and eight team with Mark Sanchez, Ladanian Tomlinson. Santonio Holmes and Plaxico Burr's Christmas Eve, 99 yards from Victor Cruz en route to Eli Manning and Tom Coughlin's second Super Bowl together. It's crazy that Powell has lasted as long as he has. And I have, I have no issue with him being here that long. I wish he stayed healthy more often. But you give him credit for lasting through so many regimes. His third head coach and his fourth general manager. That's impressive. That's really impressive. That speaks volumes for the type of player, person, and teammate that Bilal Powell is. But at 31 years old, with the injury history that he has, Powell is gone. Uh, Ty, Ty Montgomery is gone. And Adam Gase wants Le'Veon Bell gone. Bell is set to make, I think it's $13.5 million next season. And look, we know. We know that Bell is not going to settle for less money. If he's owed $13.5 million, he's going to demand and he's going to take that $13.5 million, which he's earned. Not a penny less. He set out for an entire season for his guaranteed money. He's not going to take a penny less than the $13.5 million that he's owed. So after 3.2 yards per carry last year, less than 800 yards on the ground, and four total touchdowns, what what team is going to trade for that contract without the Jets paying for half of it, maybe more, $8 million? It would have to be at least half if if a team is going to take on the the type of production that you got from Le'Veon Bell last year. Nobody's going to get close to wanting to pay him $13.5 million this season. The Jets are stuck with that. Plus, you look around the league and you see Todd Gurley is available. David Johnson is available. So you have competition for those over-the-hill veteran running backs that make a lot of money and their current teams don't want. They're not going to cut Bell because of the cap hit. It would be more dead money than than it would cost them to trade him. And look, I, I don't love Bell. I blame, I blame Gase plenty for the way that Bell was used last year and the production that he got out of his entire running game. But Bell also deserves blame, blame for the lack of production that he had. At some point, If you are a great running back, if you are a big-time running back, you find a way to produce. And Bell never did that last season. He's not even close to being worth $13.5 million. But without another running back on this roster, why would you pay Bell to play elsewhere and then have to sign, draft, and pay three more running backs to be on the New York Jets? It makes no sense. Bell should be on the team for one more season. You get what you can out of him. He knows he's going to be a free agent at the end of 2020 because the Jets are going to cut him then, and it's not going to cost him nearly as much. So he's going to be motivated because he wants to get another opportunity after 2020. And look, Bell wasn't a bad teammate. He said and he did almost all the right things last year. The bowling trip was was blown way, way out of proportion. If the worst thing that Le'Veon Bell did last year was to go bowling, count me in for believing that. He's a hell of a teammate. But... This, was, this wasn't meant to be a Le'Veon Bell podcast, but as we look ahead into the offseason, the smart move financially is to keep Bell here with the New York Jets. And the offseason is heading to be one of the most entertaining offseasons in NFL history. The Jets obviously have plenty of work to do, but what's crazy is, is they're not going to be involved in any of this quarterback drama, any of this quarterback maneuvering. When in past years, you would have, you would have heard them attached to every name out there. You look at the quarterbacks that are available, First off, look, Eli Manning across town is retired, but he's he's available. If he gets a phone call from a team that wants him to start, you don't think that Eli Manning is going to take that call? 
I'm sure he will. I just don't know that that opportunity would come to his doorstep. But you got Tom Brady, Philip Rivers, James Winston, Andy Dalton, Cam Newton, maybe Ryan Tannehill, maybe Dak Prescott. I don't think so, but it's possible. There's so much potential quarterback movement this offseason. It's crazy. The landscape of the league is going to look totally different next year. And personally, I believe Brady and Tannehill are staying, which means that Prescott is staying then, because if the Cowboys aren't getting Brady, they're keeping Prescott. And I expect Brady to be back in New England. I expect Prescott to be back in Dallas. But I decided years ago that I will never, I will never predict Tom Brady and Bill Belichick no longer being in New England. And I will never pick them to no longer be effective. And I will never I will never pick them to no longer be a Super Bowl contender. I will never pick them to be topped in the AFC East. It's all going to happen eventually, but I will just wait for it to happen at this point. I will wait to see it. I will not predict it because we said it for for so long. So many people said it every single year. Every single year since Brady tore his ACL in 2008. Every year there's been talk that he's he's over the hill at that point. Remember the people that thought the, the Patriots should stick with Matt Castle? Remember when when people thought Bill Belichick was going to come back to the New York Giants before the Giants hired Pat Shermer? Remember when stories were written in, in 2013? There were a lot of stories written about Tom Brady being done. Because that year he had a, a QBR of 87.3 and he had 25 touchdowns on the year while Peyton Manning was out in Denver throwing 55 touchdowns and setting records all over the place. And everybody wrote Brady off after that season. Everybody thought that Peyton Manning found the fountain of youth with a quarterback rating almost 30 full points higher than Tom Brady. But seven years later, Manning is long retired, and Brady is now going to be getting $30 million offers thrown at him left and right around the NFL. So I'm not doing it. I'm not I'm not going to count Tom Brady out anymore. I'm not writing him off as a quarterback. I'm not writing him off in New England. We tried predicting it for more than a decade, and we, we failed every time. So let's learn from that. And, and let's just let's watch and, and wait for it to happen. I don't I don't see how Tom Brady goes to another team. At 43 years old, does he want to play for a new coach? Does he want to what does he want to teach a new system to a full roster of players? Does he want to have to mesh his offensive system with another coaches such as Mike McCarthy in Dallas potentially? Does he want to play for a new owner? Does he want to risk it all going south and then looking like a desperate pity move if it doesn't work out, if he goes elsewhere? Brady's staying in New England. I, I don't think there's any question about it. One person that isn't staying in New England, though, is Dante Scarnecchia, the offensive line coach. And that's a huge loss because, look, the Patriots offensive line, it is coming off one of its worst seasons. But they have the tough task of protecting the most immobile quarterback in the league in Tom Brady. And every year they, they let players go from that offensive line. They, they plug and they piece it together and, and they get it working. And that's a credit to Scarnecchia, who was there for decades. He preceded Bill Parcells in New England, just to show you how long it's been there. Belichick, I think, was still with the Giants when Skarniecki was hired in New England. So he's been there a really, really long time outside of his first retirement in 2013. But he's been back since 2016. And a big reason why they're always able to piece together an offensive line and get guys like Nate Soldier paid elsewhere. They don't pay him. So I'm interested to see how their offensive line shapes up in 2020 without Skarniecki. But I'm confident that uh, Tom Brady will be under center at that offensive line. And another offensive line coach, Bill Callahan, who I wanted with the, the Jets, he ended up in Cleveland, but Callahan was he was great with the Jets from 2008 to 2011. They had an elite running game and a top offensive line those years. And even this year with the Redskins, their offensive line it wasn't talented. They were without Trent Williams. He made Eric Flowers look more than serviceable. 
And the O-line really wasn't their their problem. I thought it, it made too much sense for the Jets to bring him back. And it, it's, it, it look, it, it's really, it's really hard to build an offensive line in one season. Joe Douglas has an incredibly difficult task ahead of him. And having, an, uh, having a top offensive line coach to bring some scheme and stability to the Jets would have helped tremendously. But he's in Cleveland now, so, so that's dead. What else do we have here before I sign off? I wanted to mention Mark Gastineau, a great Jet. Uh, not that I ever saw him play. His, his playing career preceded my years as a human being. But 19 sacks in 1983, 22 sacks in 1984, setting the single-season record, and now he wants that record back, even though it was broken in 2001 by Michael Strahan with the Giants with 22 and a half sacks. And look, everybody knows, everybody remembers that Brett Favre made it easy for Strahan to get the record on the last game of the season. He took a dive in the fourth quarter with a couple minutes to go, and he basically handed the record to Michael Strahan to get that final sack. But 35 years after Gastineau gets 22 sacks, and almost two decades after Strahan got his 22 and a half, it it seems pity for Gastineau to start complaining about it now. Nobody's going to change the record books. We know that's not going to happen. It wasn't the first cheap sack. If it happened on sack number 15 of the season, nobody would be discussing it. And if they went back and they changed this one and took a sack away from Strahan, they'd have to go and change all the statistics that came cheaply. Any cheap touchdown, any cheap rushing yard, any cheap sack that happened for any player. It's not just Strahan that got some sort of cheap statistic at some point during his career. It hasn't altered Gastineau's legacy. Everybody recognized and remembers what Brett Favre did, but he did it. And Strahan also, he didn't get a sack for the first three weeks of that season. So should he then tout his 21 and a half sacks in 13 weeks as the better performance than 22 sacks in 16 weeks? The sack record, it wasn't going to put Mark Gastineau in the Hall of Fame. It's not like that's not why, it's not like that's why he's not in the Hall of Fame. His off the field issues kept him out of the Hall of Fame, kept him from being a better player. So I, I just, I don't know the point of complaining about it 20 years after the fact. We don't need to be reminded how Strahan got the record. We know it. But even after being reminded, it's it's not going to change the record book. We'll put our own mental note next to it, just like we do with the steroids in baseball. And everybody's going to judge every record how they want and how they perceive it to be. Thanks for listening to the Brandon Contest Jets podcast. Stay tuned for more episodes. And as always, big a